listening to the Rude Horror Podcast with your host, Marcus Rude. Hello everyone, welcome to the Rude Horror Podcast. Today I'll be talking to writer-director Edward Payson. He'll be talking about his films and some of his upcoming projects. Before I get into the interview with him, or it's... It was more of a conversation rather than an interview. But uh, before we get into that segment, I just wanted to mention our movie night is coming March 13th for a Friday the 13th marathon. It'll be at Roz Talks in Rock Island, Illinois. And uh, as always, the event is free. And I'm not for certain the movies that they're going to play, but I think they're going to be playing... Friday 13th, part 6, 7, and 8. Uh, I'm not for certain, but uh, they will be playing Friday the 13th movies for sure. Uh, just not, you know, just not really for sure which ones. But I'm pretty sure those are the ones. <laughs> uh, and uh, I probably won't be able to make that one. Um, I... There's a chance I'll probably be going to a show in Iowa City. There's going to be uh, a local band from my area. Uh, QC Barbecue Death Metal Band Pit Lord will be playing a free show at Gabe's in Iowa City, along with Traffic Death and Frontal Assault. So it sounds like it's going to be a pretty kick-ass metal show. So I haven't been to a metal show in a while, so I thought this would be a a cool thing to attend. Um, also, check out Midwest Monster Fest. They are selling tickets now on their website at MidwestMonsterFest.com. And uh, they just announced another announcee, Mark Price. He played in uh, Trick or Treat, which is the, the 80s Trick or Treat movie with uh, Ozzy and Gene Simmons. He'll be there, and I guess he's going to be doing a stand-up comedy routine there at some point. So that sounds pretty interesting. And uh, tomorrow, being Friday from the day I'm recording this, they're going to be announcing another guest. So stay tuned for that. Um, also, Spring Fever... World premiere will be April 18th at Ribco, which is Rock Island Brewing Company in Rock Island, Illinois. Uh, They're going to be showing the world premiere of their horror comedy zombie film, Spring Fever. There's going to be also live bands that have uh, contributed to the soundtrack of the movie. They'll be there as well, performing live and uh there's gonna be merch tables for, for spring fever merch and uh and uh wake brewing will be bringing beer i don't know exactly what kind of beer i'm hoping it's going to be a specialty beer for the event exclusively but we'll see uh either way it's going to be great and uh yeah just come on down and have a good time and i'll be there and uh Everybody else that worked on the movie Spring Fever. So it's, it's going to be a good time. Also, just want to say congrats to the crew of Spring Fever for 
reaching their goal on Indiegogo, they actually surpassed their goal of $3,000 to, I want to say, like 3500 somewhere around there. So that's awesome that they exceeded their goal and uh, are able to do what they were wanting to do for the post-production of the film. So congrats to you guys. That about wraps up what I wanted to mention before having the horror discussion with Edward Payson. So, enjoy, guys. Hey, what's up, guys? You're listening to the Rude Horror Podcast. Today, I have a special guest with me. His name is Edward Payson. He's a writer-director and uh, has made a few horror movies. And today, he'll be talking about his newest documentary, our friend John and maybe some of the other films he's worked on. How's it going, Ed? Or do you go by Edward? <laughs> I actually go by Ted, weirdly enough. But uh it's it's going it's going great. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing good. Yeah. Besides having to record in the car, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, just uh this hopefully is like a one time thing. I I just got like a a mic set up for my laptop and uh, I, I tested it out over my friend's house and it sounds pretty good. So hopefully my future episodes will maybe not sound like it's been on a phone, but uh, it's, it is what uh, it is, man. We make it work. That's right. And actually, I mean, you probably, I don't know if you've listened to some of my episodes, but it actually doesn't sound too bad using my phone. I yeah, work. no, I, yeah, I have, and it, yeah, it doesn't, I couldn't tell that you were using a phone, to be honest. Yeah, but yeah, I, you know, I, I do have another mic set up, and hopefully I'll get that running up here in the future. Right. I'm just going to make do with what, what I have at this point in time. <laughs> no worries, man, let's do it. All right, man. Well, uh, uh. What would you like to talk about first? Have you watched like, uh, or I guess I'll ask you, um, have you watched any uh, horror movies lately? That uh, like what's what's the latest horror movie you've watched? Uh, I saw The Lodge, man, and I I loved it. You you heard of it? The one um, I think it like crushed at all the film festivals last year, and it was just released recently to theaters and uh it's got like alicia silverstone she's like really the only name in it and i, well, I guess it has like one of the kids that were in it i forget his name off the top of my head but it was like suit like really brutal in a sense that like like a lot of uh psychological torment if you will it was mm-hmm. by the dir- the director who did uh um uh, good night mommy okay his newest film and it's just it's just really really fucked up it's like it, did you hear about it or no? Yeah, I have been hearing about it. I just haven't been able to check it out myself. Yeah, it's. It, I think it just went to nationwide theaters like last week or something like that. But uh, yeah, man, it, it's it's like brutal from beginning to end. Like you don't you don't see anything coming, and it's just it's just it's a very like dark film. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, you're mentioning the kid from it. I think he played Stan in the. Uh the first segment of it. Did it. I think it might have been Bill. No, the, he was the main guy, I believe. He was the oh, main really? kid. Yeah, yeah. 
Oh, all right. I couldn't tell if he if he was. Uh... Yeah, yeah, I think you might be right. <laughs> yeah, I don't know the actor's name, but uh, he was really good in it. And uh, I mean, Alicia Silverstone was good in it. And she's not even the main character, but um, yeah, it's like just one of those really, really dark films that like it. There's not, there's no like hope in the entire film, and it just keeps going down a dark road and gets darker and darker. Nice, yeah, I have to check it out. I've been hearing some good things about it. Yeah, man. What about you? You seen anything? Um, well, actually, uh, last night I just watched Species. It's been years since I've seen Species with uh. Natasha Hestridge. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's kind of it's a kind of an older one, but uh I remember watching it back in the day and I loved it and watched it again last night and surprisingly I enjoyed it a lot still. I remember watching it as a kid for completely other reasons. That <laughs> <laughs> she gets like naked a lot in that movie. Yeah. It, it's funny because uh you know, like on YouTube now, they ha- they stream movies for free, and then they also have movies you can rent. Well, they have the, like uh, that movie on there for free with, but you have to watch the ads with it. And I was watching some of it, and then I noticed like some of the cuss words were like edited. And really? I'm like, I'm like, what the fuck? Because it says rated R on the on the video, and then like the nude scenes were cut out. And all that, Ooh. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> so I go on Tubi, which is the other streaming site, and they have it for free. And they they play everything uncut. So I was like, all right, I'm just going to watch the one on Tubi instead of YouTube. Yeah, man, Tubi is kind of like the new thing that's uh, kind of taken over. Yeah, man, dude, they have a lot of uh, hidden gems, especially in the horror category. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of stuff streaming that didn't even ever go to, like, DVD or Blu-ray, uh, weirdly enough, for whatever reason. Uh, a lot of the a lot of stuff that you can find on YouTube, do even not even, like, through, like, the proper channels. Like, people will just upload, like, VHS copies of things, like, but somehow, like, the transfer is pretty good and you get to watch movies that, like, never went to Blu-ray or DVD. Right. So, yeah, I, you know, if I... <laughs> It depends on the movie, but if like I really want to watch a movie and it's like, okay, I don't have the VHS copy or whatever, like Spookies, for instance. Mm-hmm. They got a, there's a version of Spookies on YouTube that, uh, I mean, it's probably just a VHS rip, but at the time, they had never released a Blu ray release of it. So that's like the only way you can watch it. Yeah. I saw like a, uh, a fan put together the original cut of Quentin Tarantino's Kill Bill, uh, the whole bloody affair. So it's got the extra scenes that were not in it before, and then like the uh, the part where they they had to put it for the censors in black and white of her killing everybody is put back into color. Um, but like Michael Jai White is in it when he wasn't in the in he didn't make the cut for the original one. Oh really. And, yeah, yeah, because they put everything back in order, so it's just chapter one, two, and they cut out like uh, there's no longer like um, they like way after the fact, I guess, shot that car scene with Uma Thurman for the mm-hmm. second movie because they thought it was gonna be one movie, 
And so they take that out, and then there's like a scene where Michael Jai White gets killed by Bill. Uh, I think <laughs> I should have kept it in because like it's like super cool. Oh, nice. I might have to look up, look that up. Yeah, I kill, was in that. Kill Bill, whole bloody affair. And uh, it went to theaters for one week at Quentin Tarantino's theater out here, but it never got released for whatever reason uh, to Blu-ray or DVD or anything. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. Maybe someday. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, like back to species. Um, like it's, it, you know, I know like the CGI wasn't, the greatest but i mean you got to think it's 1996 technology wasn't like it is now and uh man i really i really liked uh the hr geiger's uh design of the species and uh it, it i mean his work in like uh alien like it, it just it sort of feels the same as far as his concepts but it it was totally different than like what aliens was. Right. Yeah. It was like, yeah, it was like they were trying to do alien, but it was like the, uh, the bootleg alien. Kind of. They were like, we don't have, we can't make the aliens look good. So let's add some more boobs. Let's, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. let's, let's splice, uh, the DNA of this extraterrestrial life form with humans and let's, let's see what we can come up with and then kind of throw in this like mystique this type twist to it. Right. Where she can kind of shape shift, you know, like she can't really shape shift uh, to different people, but she could shape shift back into her human form. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's it's kind of a, a time capsule piece because I mean, there's certain elements where it's like, yeah, you can definitely tell us it's from the 90s, but I still found it entertaining as hell. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of 90s movies, I feel like if you just remember that it was from the 90s, you can have a lot of fun with, especially okay. watching the trailers, man. The trailers are just so bad, but in a good way. Right. Like sometimes I'll just put on like YouTube and just watch the trailers for like some of those eighties and nineties films. It's always in a world. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, they got a uh, species two and three on Tubi. I might have to uh binge watch those. I know I yeah. saw two. I didn't even know three existed. Yeah, there's a three and Natasha's not back, but they got uh, a lady that sort of looks similar to her. Yeah. So I mean, I don't know if she's supposed to, supposed to be the same uh, species or whatever, uh, like the same character, or if it's like someone completely different. I don't know. But I mean, I don't really have super high hopes for that one because I never really even heard of it. But when I typed in species on there, it's on there. <laughs> yeah. Did you hear that they came out with a new Critters movie this year or last year? Yeah, I did see that. It's just apparently awful. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm still going to watch it just because I like the Critter movies. Yeah. You know, like half of them are terrible, but 
they're like well good bad movies i feel like us as horror fans like that's what we always tend to do like we have to finish it even if we know it's going to be like just awful right it's like a, a complete thing in our like in our minds it's like you know we, we have to see everything yeah, it, it keeps. I, keep, I do the same thing with Terminator. Like, there hasn't been a good Terminator and since Terminator Two, really. And I just keep giving Terminator a chance. And then this was the first one that I was like, oh well, th- yeah, that's you know, that's decent. Uh, I did like Salvation though, but like everybody hated it for whatever reason. Yeah, that one did get a lot of hate. It's it's not a bad movie, but it's just it's a different side of Terminator we haven't seen before. Yeah, the only one I really hated was uh, Genesis, to be honest. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I, I don't know. Like, I always hate when uh, people take, like, they change the, the character, like, the actors to be the same person. So, like, it it really, like, messed with me seeing uh, the guy who played John Connor in Genesis, and then you got, like, someone else who played John Connor in Salvation and it's like Yeah. You know, when you got three or four different actors playing the same person, it kinda throws you out of like getting into the characters. Yeah, it's like either have all the actors back or none of the actors back. Yeah. Like, don't just have Arnold Schwarzenegger in every one of them but one, you know? Right, right. Yeah, and like you know, with Arnold, like, it wouldn't be Terminator without him. Like, I can't picture them doing a Terminator without him. Like, it just it just wouldn't feel the same watching. Well, that's, yeah, that's that's why people kind of hated Salvation, because there wasn't, he wasn't in it. Right. I mean, they yeah, had that, little, that little cameo, but the CG was, like, kind of still bad back then, and Arnold did not, it didn't look like a human at all. It looked like an Arnold doll. Yeah. Was is that was was that Genesis? No, or no, was that it? was in, in Salvation at the end. Uh, I guess like Christian Bale uh, as John Connor has to go and like blow up the the plant or whatever, and all of a sudden like a uh, one of the T eight hundreds gets released and oh, it's just yeah. naked right. Arnold Schwarzenegger, and it's like super bad CG. Oh my god, I forgot all about that. Like, <laughs> In all the Terminator movies, too, like it, it's really funny because whenever they get close to a main character, all they do is throw them when they can kill them instantly. They just throw them real far. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. On, honest Trailers. I think Honest Trailers uh, pointed that out. They were like, every time they come, they come near a main character, they'll just throw <laughs> and throw them <laughs> some more. but every other character they like kill instantly like by like crushing their head or putting a knife through their head but the t-1000 would always just like throw people yeah well just they 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 can't just kill off all the characters they gotta have some of them alive (laughs) yeah but it's just it's always the same thing it's like their mission is to kill the thing but they always just throw them (laughs) just to add suspense yeah but uh yeah so um yeah i was just trying to think of what else i've watched lately um i did see oh uh 
uh, Bliss on Shudder. Have you seen that one yet? No, what's that? It's, uh, oh, I forgot who directed it, but uh, it's uh, it's like a vampire movie, but it's like, like a totally different style of vampire movie that I've ever seen that has probably ever been made. But it's more or less like this artist, this lady artist, um, is trying to work on this big painting, and she's always just kind of in a slump of like uh, getting her artistic side, like her her momentum going for this painting, and uh, so she ends up going to this party, and uh, this guy's got a uh, some kind of it's kind of like a hybrid cocaine type stuff mm-hmm. and she gets hooked on this drug i forgot what the name of the drug is it's uh oh crap um but anyways it's like a it's like a hybrid cocaine kind of drug and she takes that and it just really uh gets her creativeness flowing and then she starts doing this painting and it looks pretty freaking badass and uh she starts hanging around these people that she's friends with and uh it doesn't really say like how they become vampires but like i guess like they just kind of explain how like it's always been there yeah and uh they just they only select few people to to uh become a vampire and uh she basically she gets infected and uh or you know, however you wanna take that as being, you know, bitten or whatever, and then uh she real like she gets sick and stuff like that and she's just like, trying to find like call the girl that infected her and is like, you know, what the fuck is going on with me? And she's like, Well, you'll figure it out and then you know, then she starts kinda killing and drinking the blood and then she gets more, you know, juvenated and stuff and then she works on her painting more and like it and it's it's uh really like psychological in like uh as far as like the imagery it's like uh they even had a had a warning sign at the beginning like if if you're really sensitive to flashy pictures or like have epilepsy to you know maybe not watch this film so it's like more artistic than your average horror film yes yeah it's very artistic and uh I think you would like it a lot, but uh, yeah, it, it's as far as a vampire story, like you know, I I I loved it. Like I thought it was really good and uh, something something different too. That it, it, you know, it's not a cliche. It's a uh, vampire movie. Hell yeah! Is it is it like a Shutter original or is it something that well, just happens to be on Shutter? Well, it's uh, Shutter exclusive right now. Oh, nice. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure it'll. I, mean, I haven't really even seen it on video yet. I'll have to. I guess I really haven't looked it up, but uh, I seen it on there and I watched the preview for it, and I was like, oh, "This looks kind of cool." But I clicked on it and just watched it, and just I just got kind of sucked into it. You know, I just had to watch it from beginning to end. Yeah, I. Uh, that's something I've been meaning to do is. Uh you know, actually subscribe to Shudder. I always, like, see the movies in there. I was like, oh, that looks awesome, but I don't have Shudder. And it's like, what? It's like three ninety nine a month. Like, it's probably worth it. Yeah, it's like, 
five ninety nine, I think. But I mean, still, like that's a hell of a lot cheaper than Netflix and Amazon Prime and all that stuff. Yeah. And you know, and then you get everything horror, and uh, they even got like, even like even watching the Creep Show series alone is worth it. I tried to watch the Creep Show series. I couldn't get through the first episode. Oh, really? Yeah, I, I, for whatever reason, uh, maybe it just didn't didn't speak to me, but or I was in the wrong mindset. Maybe I'll give it another try. Because uh, you're the, not the first person that said that the Creep Show show was actually pretty good. Yeah, like it's it it, uh, it kind of plays like you know like Creep Show. So like each each episode is like a completely different story. Yeah, and uh, you know the first one. It was supposed to be a high praise one because Stephen King wrote that one, mm-hmm. and I mean it was okay. Like I thought the creature looked pretty cool, but uh, I really liked uh, other. Uh, you know I don't want to give anything away, but there's there's a couple episodes in there that are pretty good. But I will say I was a little disappointed with Tom Savini's episode. His was the last episode. It just. <sighs> It didn't even really, like, seem like a horror episode. Just, I don't know. He's made, he's made some bad films, man, when he was the one who was directing them, to be honest. Besides Night of the Living Dead, um, the remake, he yeah. he made, like, or maybe he just acted in a movie called Children of the Dead. Uh-huh. Have you heard of this? It's, like, literally the first, like, ten minutes of the movie is just him flipping around, killing zombies, but there's, like, no music or anything. And it's so slow, and the zombies look horrible. And it's just <laughs> called Children of the Dead. Yeah, I think I got that, like, on a horror movie pack DVD. <laughs> I just haven't watched it, though. Have you checked out the show Channel Zero? It's now canceled, but uh, it was a sci-fi original. No, I haven't checked that one out. That's it. it's the best TV that I've horror TV that I've seen in years. Mm. Like is that it, the one where the cover has like a person like with, with like a whole bunch of teeth for their body? That's the first season, yeah. So it's it's like the whole each season is a completely different uh, story. So the first season is about the it. The first season hooked me because it's it's so original. It's like um, this TV show plays that every kid remembers uh it is a show about like this um this like this pirate ship and it's like puppets and stuff like that but then like when the the kids are adults and they talk you know they they all think that they're they've watched a show that they were when they were growing up and they talk to their one of them just happens to talk to their like older like you know 60 year old father about the show because the show showed up somehow again and he's like what are you talking about there was no show you would literally just like sit in front of the tv and watch static and huh. that that was the case with all, all these kids were watching a show that only they could see and it was like making them do like fucked up things uh so that's the first episode and the teeth monster plays into it but then the second one is like uh, a haunted house that um pretty much like goes inside of your mind and figures out like what you're most scared of and makes it happen. And this like, you can't tell if it's like a alien thing or it's an actual, uh, like supernatural thing, but it just gets more messed up and more messed up. And then there's 
two more seasons. The next one is a door shows up. Or no, that's not the next one. The next one is uh, one that's like a, a cannibal one. And then there's one where a door shows up in these people's basement. And things keep showing up inside the door and coming into their house and stuff. Um, and all of these, every single season is based on something from like Creepypasta. What? That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. And they they get some like pretty good actors and stuff in them, some bigger actors. Uh, Rudger Hauer was actually in the, the Cannibal one. Um, and then some people that you like would recognize now that were was in like Get Out and stuff like that, or in the, some of the other seasons. Oh man, that sounds awesome! <laughs> yeah, and the trailers—if you watch the trailers, like you can see just how well made they are. Like, like I was like, sci-fi made this. Like, usually they're known for making like garbage, and it's like they're a really well made. It was like what I wished American Horror Story would be when American Horror Story started. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's awesome. Yeah, I know what you mean with the sci-fi films. Uh, <laughs> you remember? Uh, uh, I forgot which how it goes. Like Puppet Master versus Demonic Toys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, that like I don't know why, but like I like that movie still. Even though I know it's it's like a super cheesy. It might be even one of the cheesiest Puppet Master movies ever. Yeah, but, full moon. Uh, full moon kind of went. Well, uh, full Corey on Feldman cheese. plays in it, and yeah. Uh, he, he, yeah, uh, Corey Feldman's in it, and he plays like an old man in it. But uh, like it, it was so cheesy because, uh, and I don't even know. It might even been my TV. Like you know how back in the day TVs are a lot different than now, but it looked like his hair was blue at some in some scenes <laughs> like like they they were trying to go for like the old man gray looking hair yeah but there's some scenes like it was distinctly blue i'm like i'm like really how do they like i'd have to watch it again like now but i just remember like back when like when it first came out on sci-fi it might have been like 2005 something like that but I just remember watching it, I'm like, why is his hair blue? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, dude, it's sci-fi, like they really they really fucked up the um the uh uh what's it called? Pump pumpkin head series. Like after like the second one they made like three of them on sci fi and it just the CG is so bad. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean once and then once Sharknado happened then they started doing every everything any any animal you could think of they're mixing it with some kind of disaster and the cgi just kept getting worse and worse yeah man i actually worked for that company the asylum on two films as an art director and i mean it's a it's a testament to how fast they can get things done but uh also like how crazy some of their demands are for how little they pay and how little their budgets are. Um, I worked on a movie called Nazis at the center of the earth for them. And I was the art director and they're like, they're like, we have $1,300 make us the, make the, us a full lab set uh, equipped with like beakers and all that kind of stuff, as well as a giant full scale to scale uh, airplane wing 
And then also uh, the in- the interior of a Nazi bunker. Oh, and also make us a something that could play as a mechanical Hitler head. What? All for $1,300? Yeah, it was like absurd. And then I wasn't getting paid anything. I was like right out of film school. Uh, I had a few directing stuff that I, that I had done, but like I wanted to get in with them. So I like was a technically a volunteer, and uh, so I wasn't getting paid for anything. I I shot with them for like fourteen days for free, and shot this movie, and it was so funny because uh, they had such little budget that they like were giving the the extras like fifty dollars for an entire day, and not only they like me being a I had nothing to do with like casting, but they were like, hey, if you have any friends that want to be extras and want fifty bucks for the day come on down uh they won't be saying anything they'll just be like putting makeup and stuff and they'll just have to stand around not only did they say anything they had some of my friends speaking german that they weren't actors they were like editors and stuff and they were speaking german and then they had like some of my other friends with like had to have like new zealand accents and uh yeah they're like they're like becoming like characters that are like reoccurring and throughout the movie and stuff i was like what the hell is going on right now what? Yeah, but it, I I like to look at look back on it because it's on uh it's on um Netflix or at least it was on Netflix and in the, like the first five minutes like I get my head blown off and then like a few more of my friends you see just get like shot and then later in the movie you see my friend <laughs> like a different friend like go down in a plane crash and it's just it's so absurd. But like the uh, the mechanical Hitler head that I made was we took a smoker like a meat smoker and we like bronzed it and like rusted it, like make it made it look all rusty and stuff. Then took all these like computer pieces and essentially like glued it to it and put wires all over it. And then they actually took that and they made a 3D model of it and put it on the top of uh, uh, like this like completely cgi like nine foot body and then it opens up and hitler's head on, is in the inside <laughs> i gotta see this now <laughs> it, it's a weird movie man and then like uh, i'm like still friends with like the main character of the movie and he acts in my commercials and stuff and uh it had a uh, jake Busey in it okay yeah, and then uh, Dominique Swain, and that's how I actually met her, and like she ended up working on my movie because I still knew her from that movie. Like uh-huh. seven years later, eight years later. <laughs> that's awesome, man. Yeah. Well, then you know now, or knowing now that some of that stuff, you only had thirteen hundred dollars to work with. Like that's pretty impressive. Yeah, man. I mean, that was kind of like. Before my last movie, that's kind of like what all my movies were. It was like, let's stretch this dollar to the to the max if we even have a dollar. It's more like let's stretch this dime to the max, um, to where like I, I would sometimes shoot like fifteen, eighteen hour days, and I wouldn't have stood like been able to like sit down all day. So I'd go home and like, you know, my my pee would be like brown with all the breakdown of muscle and stuff, and like my knees would feel like they're gonna fall apart. And this is like when I was younger, so like I could I couldn't imagine doing that now, like at thirty three. Uh, you know, this is like when I was like twenty two, twenty three, twenty four. Um, but like those kind of days, like that's pretty much all it was. Like the beginning of of the filmmaking career was just dealing with uh, 
dealing with like things going wrong and then you having to have like multiple hats and having all these super long days and, and putting out fires while you're also trying to finish the day and not make your actors completely like upset with you. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's fun. I want a little tangent, but (laughs) that's all right, man. Yeah. It's, it, man, it sounds like, uh, it's pretty strenuous work. Yeah. I mean, starting out, starting out, it was, um, last or, in 2018 summer of 2018 we kind of had a little bit of a change where um i had a friend come up to me and he's like oh we're shooting this film and didn't really give me many details about it or or no we need a film to shoot and we want you to write the script and whatever you write we'll make uh just make sure that it's like around this budget and he said like fifty thousand dollars or something like that so i wrote what i thought was a script for fifty thousand dollars and it was this movie called bits and it's about a haunted sega genesis game uh, that if you die in the first level, you become possessed and kill everyone you've had contact with in the last 24 hours. And uh, I give him the script, and then, like, lo and behold, like, a few weeks later, I'm told that the budget's now $893,000. And uh, I get on set, and for the first time, not only am I able to sit down, but they're just like, oh, go in your trailer, and then uh, we'll we'll get you when we're ready, when everything's ready to go, um, and all this kind of stuff. So... It was uh, different to say the least. Uh, yeah, I made like a big deal about it on my my Instagram and stuff, where I was just like, "Oh, usually I don't even get a chair, but now I get my own my own uh, my own trailer." So that's pretty nice. Heck yeah, man! Right on, dude. Uh, is, is that uh, is that something that we could find like uh, like on video demand or? It's not out yet. Uh, we're still in post production on that, and then we're still in post production on uh the Sunday night slaughter which is my movie with Corey feldman all right on yeah i like yeah. how I, that's why i brought up the demonic toys versus puppet master is yeah because you worked with Corey feldman he's a trip man he showed up he showed up to set with a 10 person entourage and it was funny because he has like this this bodyguard who's fully armed and they like sent him in there on like a reconnaissance mission as if like it's like you see people with like cameras and stuff. Clearly it's a film shoot. But the guy walks in and we're like, Yeah, man, we're totally legit. Like we're we're just trying to shoot the rest of our film. And he's like, Oh, I'm just making sure it's not a birthday party because sometimes people will pay his day rate and they show up and it's a Ninja Turtles birthday party or something like that. <laughs> no way. Yeah. Apparently that that happens more often than not. So well, he did uh, he did voice Donnie. So. Yeah, yeah, he still does. He still does for the cartoon. Um, some of the Ninja Turtles, I think, still Donatello. Oh man, that's awesome though. Yeah. He, and then, yeah. Uh, sorry, go ahead. I was saying, you know, he was cool. Like uh, he was he was like pretty serious when we were shooting, but uh, after like we had like. One of our nerdy producers brought like a, a Goonies lunchbox and he like signed it and everything and took some pictures and videos with us. Oh, and then he, um, I'm pretty sure, um, he he was like, oh, like I didn't even know this lunchbox exists. I better be getting, uh, I better be getting, um, what's it? What's it? Uh, why is it on the top of my head? It's like I, be- I better getting a commission for this or something like that. 
because he oh. didn't even know this like new lunchbox line like existed. And he's supposed to get a cut of all the all the stuff. Oh right, like uh, royalties. Exactly, that's the word I was looking for. Yeah, yeah, it's man, that, yeah, that's gonna be a trip uh, working with some of these actors. Um, like I, I, I seen uh, on some of some of uh, your credits, like you worked with like Kane Hodder, Felissa Rose, um, Maria Olson. You know, like you know names that are are uh, pretty prominent in the horror genre. Yeah, Maria Olson's actually a really good friend of mine. She like comes to our Thanksgivings and everything. Um, she's pretty much worked in every single film that I've done for the most part, um, besides the one documentary uh, that she wasn't a part of um, before. Before our friend John, I did one called Unsigned about bands trying to make it in Los Angeles, and uh, that's the, really the only movie that she hasn't been a part of. Yeah, yeah, I was gonna say she's. Like pretty much been in everything you made. Yeah, yeah, pretty much every single thing. Yeah, that kind of you kind of answered my question. I was going to ask, like, how did how did you get to know her? You know, just because she's been in a lot of your films. Yeah, um, she came to audition for my film uh, "Morbid Love Story" way back in two thousand nine, and. Uh, she went. She wanted a lawyer role, but we didn't think she worked for that. I mean, she we, she worked for this uh, homeless person who was killed, and from there it was like really just us on set, like me, my DP, and her because we were a low budget film. So we got to talking and stuff, and uh, later down the road she started producing, and she became a producer on a few of my films, and then. Um, you know, throughout all this time, we kind of developed a friendship. She's friends with my wife and everything like that as well. Um, and yeah, we just, you know, I try to include her in pretty much everything we do. Right on, man. Um, how did, uh, <laughs> sorry for the pause. Um, no how, like how, uh, how did you, uh, get like Felissa Rose and like Kane Hodder to, in summer films oh, i know they probably played in two different films or are they in the same no they're not in the same film so uh keen hotter was in a film that i just produced that i was a, a guest director for um so i didn't really have an active role in that really what happened was we were shooting in florida and at the time the manager that he had just happened to be in florida as well and um they actually reached out to us when we put like some ads out on some actors um castings and and craigslist and all that kind of stuff and we didn't know what to think at first we were just like oh really kane hotter that's pretty awesome um so that's how he became involved felissa rose actually was uh through a mutual friend um one of my one of my friends marv actually was friends with felissa rose and he had written a uh, a short film called dinner with the dwyers or he uh, he and a friend had written a short film called dinner with the dwyers and he already had a cast together and Felissa was one of the people and he wanted me to direct it. So I directed it and it was the first time I worked with her. And then she went on to work in uh, the Sunday night slaughters, my next film. And uh, yeah, now we're pretty much friends on like a, you know, uh, have each other's number of basis. And she calls to ask about certain roles and stuff from certain friends that drop my name. And uh, I tell her if she should or shouldn't, shouldn't work on it. And, uh, 
yeah, so that's where that came from. Right on. Um, well, speaking of the Sunday night slaughter, is there anything that you can tell us, or is it pretty, pretty early in production? I mean, both of both bits and the Sunday night slaughter are completely shot. They're just in post production. Uh, and what's taking a while is because like I had these two very very ambitious scripts. Um, the Sunday Night Slaughter is only like a it, it's it's a little bit less than bits. It's more like a three thousand uh, I'm sorry three hundred thousand dollar film. But uh, as far as the amount of visual effects and all that kind of stuff, like it, it's it's you know well above what you'd see in like um, the average horror film. So we have like everything from animation like like animation you'd see in um anime and stuff like that to like full-on like head explosions and giant demons and uh crazy stuff like that so there's like 180 visual effects uh in that one and there's like another like 140 or so in bits so and the same person is working on them because he worked on my film the cohasset snuff film uh, so I trust him with it, and uh, but he's only one person, and he's trying to do all this stuff. So it's just taking a little bit longer, but I know once it's done, it'll be it'll be good. Yeah, man, I can't wait to to see both of them. Actually, uh, I, I'm not really sure if I read much about bits, but just from what you're what you've been talking about, bits sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> Thank you, man. And uh, and. Uh, I think I'm trying to think. I think, well, uh, my stepbrother had a Sega Genesis back, like way back in the day. Yeah, and uh, um, that's like one of my earliest like memories was seeing him play Sonic, and uh, you know, like that just you know opened up a whole new world for me. It was like, whoa, you know, I can actually play games on the TV, and then. I've always like wanted to have a Sega myself, but then yeah. all of a sudden, my parents give me a, a reg- like the regular Nintendo, and I'm like, "Why well, can't play Sonic on this?" <laughs> but uh, I did, I did play uh, a lot of Mario and uh, Ghost and Goblins. Oh, I love that game! Yeah, dude. So I was like, "Well, at least I have that," you know. <laughs> <laughs> But I eventually did get a Sega and played many, many, many hours. Yeah, man, I've, I I did this uh, based on Sega just because I had a Sega growing up, and it was always my preferred console as opposed to the Ninten- either of the Nintendos, the Nintendo uh, or the or the Super Nintendo. I actually have a Sega tattoo on my leg as well. But uh, yeah, yeah, for this one, dude, yeah, we got we got a really good cast together. We got Dominique Swain. Um, she was Lolita in the Lolita movie as well as like she was in like True Lies and stuff. Um, we got Krista Allen. I'm not True Lies. She was in Face Off, the daughter in Face Off. Uh, we got Chris, Krista Allen who used to be in Baywatch and then um, she was in a bunch of movies like in the early 2000s and late 90s. Dee Wallace who doesn't really need an introduction. She's just amazing. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, and then we got uh, Najara Townsend from Contracted as our lead female. Oh, I, I haven't actually watched contracted. I mean, I know what it, what it is. I just haven't had a chance to watch it yet. Yeah. She's in one and two, and then she's in some other movies as well. She's get, getting pretty up there in the, in the horror world. Um, we got James Duvall, who was the, 
the rabbit in Donnie Darko. Oh, okay. Um, and then we got uh, one of my favorite actors and, and really awesome dude uh, as our big bad is Bill Oberst Jr. Are you are you familiar with Bill? Um, the name's not really ringing a bell. I'm sure I've probably seen him in movies. Yeah, man, he's uh, he's like the female. I mean, the male uh, Maria Olsen essentially. He's like in so many movies and he's just so good and. Uh, like the biggest one he was just in was um, the Rob Zombie's last one. He was a very oh. small part in that, but um, he's in like uh, oh, what the hell is it called? Um, uh, he was in a clown one where he literally, like, they literally put makeup on his penis and had him decapitate a woman and have sex with her eye sockets. <laughs> was it a Rob Zombie one? No, it was a clown. Oh, what the hell was it called? Um, the name's like on the tip of my tongue, but uh, Clownado. No, no, it was like a more serious clown one. That's really, really fucked up. Was um, it that Eli Roth presents clown? <laughs> no, it's something that t- it took place in Texas. I know that for a fact. Um, I can let me. I'll click on his. I'm gonna be real quick. Um, let me see. It, it's hard though because he has so many goddamn right. so, yeah, so many credits. I'm sure if I click on it later on, I'll be like, "Oh yeah, I'm an idiot. I know who he is." <laughs> yeah, he's he's awesome. He's in a, he's in a lot of things. Um, but yeah, he he's we've been trying to I've been trying to work with him since 2009. And uh, I had some films in the works with him as set to be the lead, but they just didn't come to fruition. So this is the first time we actually got to work together. Besides when I was in film school, he acted in a film school project that I was like a small like lighting technician on years and years ago. Um, but yeah, then we got like comedians. We got like Dustin Yabarro, who's like an up and coming comedian. He was also in um, like an ABC show as one of the leads. Uh, and then just yeah, like we have all these like different like spot parts for like up and coming actors that you might have seen in something, but you're like, oh, I know who that is, um, but you don't know their name. And that's kind of how we have like the whole movie. We like the way I wrote it was like I kind of set it up so like every little role we could put like an interesting like actor you've heard of or seen in horror movies in. Right. So. Yeah, we're excited about that one <laughs> when it comes out. Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, I'll definitely be uh, definitely be checking out what you what you're making, man. <laughs> Thank you, man. Yeah, I uh, I guess I'll say like I really like the uh, Sunday Night Slaughter artwork. I think. Oh, really thank cool. you. Yeah, that was made by uh, Devin Whitehead. He does all the designs now for Cavity Colors, the T-shirt company. Oh, okay. Um, and like he does some for like fright rags, I believe as well. Um, but yeah, he, he's great. He doesn't even, he doesn't even do posters anymore for anybody but cavity colors. So he has like an exclusive deal apparently forever. I don't know. Huh? Yeah. It's awesome. Thank you, man. Um, Hmm. Um, with the, uh, I guess I'll, I'll, I don't mean to like jump all over the place, uh, 
but uh, the Cohasset snuff film. Yeah. How how long did uh did uh did you like want to play it out as if it was a real movie? Like, I mean, how long did it did you like drag that on before? Like, yeah, <laughs> dude, we we had people still think even after seeing me in the movie and like I literally have a cameo in it. People that know me saw the movie and still think it's a real movie. Like it's weird. Um, and the guy from hyena gallery still gets people messaging him under like fake Facebook things asking like, Oh, I, I was under the impression that you could, um, you could get your hands on the actual footage from the Colin Mason murders and stuff like that. Like, it's so funny. Like people, he sends me the messages and, uh, beforehand we went so far with it that I actually got contacted by the superintendent of schools and, she, uh, you know, in a roundabout way, kind of like threatened, not really threatened, but was like, like, I need you to give me a call because there's people here in a panic. And uh, <laughs> and it was I didn't I didn't talk to her. She left a message on my machine. So what I did was um, the newspaper ended up contacting me. And I guess like this lady completely like denied. Denied that she uh, ever called me or anything like that. So I just uh, recorded the the message and and put it out as a promo, her calling me and and basically saying like there's people in the town in a panic, uh, and I guess what the issue was was there was someone who happened to be named Colin Mason going to Cohasset High School at that time. Oh no shit! Yeah. <laughs> so I bet I bet you he was all freaked out. Yeah, Thinking. I don't I don't know I don't know the story, but. Um, yeah, we played it out like you. You saw like at the end that we uh, we put himself, herself, and everything for all the credits and things. Right. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, like, we uh, we definitely played it out. <laughs> yeah, that's that's awesome. And uh, you know, I I can't believe that uh, so many people thought it was real. Yeah, it, still, still, it's so strange. Some people like people will see the trailer and be like, "You actually killed in." A cat or something like that. Like, no, it's still a movie. Like, it, am I even allowed to say that it wasn't a real movie? Or, yeah, no, no, it's 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 no because like, the guy who plays Colin Mason is actually in my movie Bits as the lead character in that as well. Right. Then he was in your uh, documentary, Our Friend John. Yeah, he's in that as well. Oh, and and uh, Rose Thorne. Yeah. Yeah, they uh, they cast him based off the Go As a Snuff film to be in their film um, because he still lived in Massachusetts at the time. Now he lives out here in L.A., but at the time he still lived in Massachusetts, and they were like, oh, we really liked him in Go As a Snuff film, so we'll cast him in this. Yeah, right on. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll, we'll get to our friend John, but I'll just maybe we'll just talk a little bit more of the Go As a Snuff film. Sure. Um. Like uh, I don't know. I'm I'm just trying to sort of like replay the first like when I initially watched it, it really did play out like this was a real like snuff film, and then hearing <laughs> like the guy with with the oddity pieces of like oh here's some uh, here's some rope from uh, 
They're like Charles Manson made. That's all like, real. That's all real. Oh, it really it was. That's a real guy. His name is Bill Schaefer, and he has a he has a place right down the street from me called the Hyena Gallery, um, and they specialize in dark and outsider art. And uh, he really has all that stuff from like actual serial killers. And the story he actually used in the film um, about Colin Mason is actually like a story that he had from other um, other stuff. Like like what he talks about. I don't know if you remember. He talks about how like um, a guy got a divorce and then a rock star got a hold of it and stuff. That's actually what's ha- what happens with a lot of like John Wayne Gacy's like uh, paintings and stuff like. Like people will lose them, like rock stars will lose them in divorces, and then all of a sudden they'll show up for auction at like random places, and then you'd have to like verify they're real. Like my friend found a, a John Wayne Gacy at a Salvation Army in Florida. What? And it actually ended up being real. How how the hell does that happen? <laughs> exactly. Like people just don't know what it is or like people die and they just like put all their stuff like, you know, donated or whatever. Mm-hmm. And yeah, she just found an authentic John Wayne Gacy uh, painting at the Salvation Army in Florida. Holy crap. That's unreal. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, he. No wonder it was like convincing because if, you know, if he actually had. Real stories and. And some of that stuff was real. And then when he got to the Colin Mason murder uh, video, you know, it, it, he he played it flawlessly. Oh, I, think, I, I think, like, his part really sold me on, like, okay, like, this, <laughs> like, this is really playing out like it's real. And then I even kind of questioned it a couple of times and then, I sort of caught on. I was like, okay, this is like, you know, set up kind of, so to speak. Yeah, man, that was kind of the, kind of the deal. And even at, even at the premiere that we had, uh, people were trying to ask questions and, um, I was still playing it off as like, it was a complete documentary and yeah. And people were kind of playing with me, uh, you know, in the audience, like, um, we had a few like people planted in there to ask certain questions as if it was real to kind of like make all the c- other people's uh, question direction kind of go towards it was real. Man, that's awesome. That's, <laughs> and like how how long did it take for everyone to catch on that it wasn't a real snuff film? Uh, well, it, it pretty quickly people caught on. When um, the girl who plays Rose Tico in Star Wars happened to be in the Cohasset snuff film, they realized it wasn't a snuff film. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Yeah, that, that lead char- one of the lead characters in Last Jedi, that girl Rose, um, Kelly, Kelly Marie Tran is in the movie as one of the, one of the kids who gives like a little interview about... Uh, about the Colin Mason murders and how it affected her in class. She was the one who, um, if you remember, she's the one who did like the little, like, like, I don't know why people even liked her. Cause she was such a bitch and she had ugly yeah. socks that she wore to school. Yeah. yeah and now, she, now she's starring in star Wars movies and going to the Grammys and, or, and going to the Oscars and stuff. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 
I bet you, I bet you that's a real like just seeing like some of the people you've worked with in your films and then all of a sudden they do like something you know big like you know like Star Wars that's pretty big yeah especially because she's not just like an ancillary character she's like one of the main characters in that in Last Jedi right I bet you that's pretty cool yeah yeah some of the other some of the other actors that are in the film were a little bit egomaniacs and we're sad that they weren't the first person to get like huge in the film. It's like I was the lead in this, and now any, all anybody talks about is the fact that this person was in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, it, it sounds like even like you're making a name for yourself too. I mean, you got you got some pretty big actors in your films already. I'm trying, man. I'm trying, man. Uh, I'll be happy when I don't have to do any commercials anymore and I can just do movies and live off those royalties uh, if that ever does happen. But at this point, I'm just kind of happy that I do keep to get to keep making films and don't have to have like, um, you know, like I, I go back home. I'll just say this. like I go back home and uh, I see like what a lot of my old friends are doing and stuff. And I live in a very small town in Derry, New Hampshire. And um, there's only one bar that's open past 8 p.m. And, like, literally everybody from when I was in high school, like, still goes there. And they go, like, every single night. And uh, it just, like, reminds me why I moved out here and kind of, kind of, you know, when, I, when I'm feeling down, I just remember that. I'm just like, oh, no. Or, like, even to the fact that, like, I had a guy – I went back home and I went to like a pizza shop that I used to work at when I was 14 years old. And the guy who was like 15 years old, who was my boss there is still there as of like last year. Uh, And I'm just like, Oh shit, this town just like swallows you. And then like, I have so many friends like, um, that were just eaten by like the heroin epidemic and like all this stuff. Like, like I have barely any friends left that, that didn't either OD, commit suicide, or uh, get killed in like a drunk driving accident or something. Oh man, yeah, that's terrible. Yeah, dude. Yeah, it's it's terrible how like society is the way it is to where it it uh, you know people just get depressed and they just they can't escape from from that downward spiral and it's you know. I think it, it it's different from like state to state because there's a lot of states that probably do help fund like uh, for mental uh, mental awareness and like you know trying to help people with mental disorders. Yeah, so there's a lot of states that they just cut that funding. Right. It's like you know there's people out there that are still suffering and they can't get help. And it's like you know. Yeah, that kind of leads into to our friend John a little bit, man. Um, kind of the whole idea of the film was um, so my brother had a friend who passed away from sickle cell anemia that he had met through a program called Living Innovations, uh, where New Hampshire is lucky enough to have a little um, a program that kind of most other places don't allow. Um, don't really like allow for people to have like a continued education. Um, 
and this allowed them to basically live normal lives and meet people that have the same struggles and stuff and actually like have a life outside of the home because a lot of these kids like they graduate high school and they're just like kind of left in their parents lap and they really don't have any paths or anything so this program living innovations helped them find jobs and uh you know do things in the community um and that's kind of where the whole movie takes place is like right when john died he was writing a script for a horror film that he wanted to make with his friends and then upon his passing they decided to make the film in his honor right on yeah it was uh and watching that documentary like it was really powerful just watching like how much they cared about their friend you know like it uh it, it, it's almost like a rare thing because i feel like i mean i have friends and you know i love my friends but you know you know uh it just seems like they they really banded together and they really cared about each other and, and uh you know and then wanting to fulfill john's legacy with the horror movie that he was writing i thought that was pretty incredible Thanks, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's it's something powerful to see. Like, like a, a lot of people take for granted the fact that they have friends, but I think a lot of these these guys like didn't ever really see themselves as having real, genuine friends because uh, they were all kind of ancillary friends that were either my friends or my brother's friends, and basically. Um, it was all like them just kind of being there in proximity and not actually like forming the relationship with them first and then, and then going from there. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, I think, I think that that group of friends is, is one of a kind and, um, you know, it's, I thought it was a really cool thing for them to, to do was to to make a horror film in his honor and and uh and, you know get get some uh actors in their movie and yeah we we kind of uh we kind of left everything up to them essentially what we did was uh, we made a rule at the beginning that like we weren't going to help them unless they asked for help so everything from choosing the camera to choosing the actors to figuring out locations all that was on them, um, and we were just kind of along for the ride. That's awesome. Thanks. I really liked the. Uh, I really liked their uh, the film style. Was it kind of reminded me of like a, an old found footage, like VHS tape type thing? You know? <laughs> yeah. They, uh, honestly, I was like surprised at how how good their first film showed up. Yeah, man, I I was impressed. And it actually was like funny at times and everything like that. And I don't think they meant for it to be funny, but it was still funny. All right. Like the uh the dog scene. Or, yeah, you know, like oh <laughs> with the the couple or whatever and Yeah. Everybody's everybody's favorite scene seems to be where they have to kind of convince the aide to do, to do the revealing scene. And no one wants to talk to her on the phone. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's pretty good. Thanks, man. Yeah, we um we are pretty much done. Uh, it should have been out already, to be completely honest. But uh, 
I wanted to make sure all the sound was 100% tip top, and I have it had it remixed by a friend of mine, and um, it should be ready by mid mid month at at the most in, in March, um, and it'll be free on Amazon Prime, so people can take a look at it. Right on. And uh, are are you doing more things to promote the movie? Like, are you going to like any film festivals with it or? Yeah, we we already did the film festival circuit. Um, actually, right before you, I did another podcast. So I've been doing a lot of podcasts. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, once it actually comes out, uh, I'm just gonna try to kind of let the distribution company kind of handle it. Um, but at the same time, we'll probably buy some ads on Facebook and and uh, probably make a new trailer and stuff like that. Just with all the film festival wins and stuff, because we won quite a bit of film festivals, both best and fest. And then we had like a few best directors and then we had, um, best documentary on a lot of them. And, uh, it's pretty much unanimous. Like we, we've played at film festivals pretty much across the country. Uh, Texas, LA, Las Vegas, Virginia, New Hampshire, Massachusetts, um, Ohio, like all these places, Alabama, and uh, it's like kind of unanimous. We've gotten all these amazing like organic reviews on the IMDb page, and uh, won all these awards and stuff. So uh, we're just happy to see it, you know, go in front of a a, a general audience and see how it does um, on the streaming platforms. Very cool, man. Very cool. And you know, I it's it is a really good documentary. And uh, I hope a lot of people do check it out and, and, you know, get to see their story and, and, uh, you know, more awareness of some of the, the mental disorders that, uh, that people do endure. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's just an all around really good documentary. And I hope even people that are not in the horror genre, I hope they get a chance to check it out. Thank you, man. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, trying to think. Uh, maybe, maybe uh, going back a while. I don't know why. It's just I keep wanting to go back to. Uh, I haven't seen your movie Morbid, a love yeah. story. Yeah. But I seen like on the credits you have Amber Rose on there. Like how? It's a, how oh, it's a different one. It's a different one. Oh. oh yeah, it was even... a girl. No, no, it wasn't. It's not the Amber that Amber Rose. Uh, that was just a that was just a film that um, that was just a film that uh, she before that Amber Rose was around. She had made her actor name Amber Rose, and then that Amber Rose came and totally like made it so she couldn't have that name anymore um so she changed it back to amber plaster oh i was gonna <laughs> say because you know, her picture and everything is up on on your movie with for the like on letterbox <laughs> oh the old like the actual amber roses yeah that's yeah, so she, funny yeah she's she's credited as being in your movie morbid that's so funny <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That's like uh, I, I, it. Kind of threw me for a curveball. I was like, "How in the heck did he get her on there?" 
back in 2009. Because <laughs> I don't even I don't even think she was a like really uh you know like a big name back then. I could be wrong, but I don't think I really ever heard of her back in 2009. Yeah, I'm seeing. Uh, I don't know. I'm seeing the right person's picture there. But it says Amber Plaster, and then it says as Amber Rose. Are you seeing someone else somewhere? Yeah, I mean, I'm seeing, well, her name's Amber Rose, but then when I click on her, it says Amber Levonchuk, which is her actual name. And then, it, you know, then it says, like, her, her name, name is, her, uh, her credits is, like, American rapper, model, fashion designer, actress. Weird. Where Where are you looking at it right now? On uh on Letterboxd. Oh, weird. Because on IMDb, it's the right person. Yeah. If you if I don't know if you use the oh you can use Letterbox on uh the computer too, but I'm using it on my phone here, and it's it's showing up in the cast section. Weird. Yeah, I've never used Letterbox before. Yeah. Well. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. That is weird. It says that she played Laura. So strange. <laughs> yeah, because on here it's it's Amber Plaster as Amber Rose playing Laura on on IMDb. That's funny. Yeah, and someone must have just thought it was that one for whatever reason. Um, are you a fan of the Universal Monsters? Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely definitely grew up with the Universal Monsters. What's uh, you know, I always was had an affinity more for the uh, the the weird Universal monsters like Creature from the Black Lagoon, um, Frankenstein's monster. Uh, but um, I think Bride of Frankenstein's probably the best best film that came out of that. All those films there. Oh, really? Yeah, I think you it's like. like a... right, go ahead. I was gonna say I think it's like near like a, a perfect movie. Yeah, I I just wish we would have seen more of the bride in the film than, you know, because she she only had limited screen time, which I thought was kind of odd, you know, just because the name of the movie is Bride of Frankenstein and she was, you know, briefly in it. Yeah. But yeah, it's crazy how those movies have been like remade so many times too. Like, I think there's. I think Dracula is the most remade movie of all time. Yeah. I think you're breaking up a little bit. No, I said I think Dracula is like the uh, most remade movie of all time. Oh, yeah. There's so many, like, you know, Hammer uh, has done like so many. And, you know, and then just the newer ones, like, you know. Like uh, the Francis Coppola's, yeah. And then there's like probably ten Dracula for ones and... you never you never heard of, you know. Yeah, they're like the Wes Craven presents Dracula three thousand series or two thousand <laughs> series. But yeah, I love the Universal Monsters myself. I just thought I'd I'd ask you what your favorite was. Yeah, I mean, I always you know also have the affinity for Dracula, but I I um. I like the Spanish version better because you, you know, know the story heard, behind that, right? Uh, 
because it was all filmed in night at night, right? Yeah, and they basically just saw like what all the American people were doing and like what went wrong and stuff, and basically corrected it by the time they shot at night. So it actually had been ended up like a better looking movie and just like more crisp and stuff. So right, yeah, it's always fun to to look back on some of those, and it's almost like history as well, just because of you know so much has changed from like a you know almost a hundred years ago. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and that, that cool, director, man. the director, um, um, what's his name? Todd, uh, why is it? It's on the top of my head. But uh, anyway, uh, Todd Brown. Uh, Todd Browning, yeah, yeah. So he went on to do Freaks, and Freaks is one of my favorite movies of all time. Yeah, yeah, that one was pretty controversial. Yeah, you I, definitely I, can't I, make I, that tonight, today. It, oh, yeah, for sure. Um, I, uh, one of my friends wanted to ask a question and he wanted to know what it was like working with Mike McCarthy on or in or for the Fury movie. Oh, for the Fury movie. I mean, Mike's a, Mike's a good dude. He had never, um, he had never done a film before. Like this was his first thing. And I think he like, he like poured out all his bank accounts. He was living in Florida and his brother had made a few like little little films together, but he had never like acted acted in something. Um, so literally, they had to put they had to put like you know I want I want to say like houses up for like um, collateral and all this stuff to actually make the film happen. But uh, yeah, I mean it was a it was a pretty good experience, um, you know, especially for someone who was a, it was their first time. Oh, for sure, man. Right on, man. Uh, that's you know probably about all the questions I have for you. I'd love to have you back on in the future and uh, maybe closer to uh, Sunday night slaughter release and and uh, when you know when people are actually going to start watching it and uh, you know and you know once I watch it too, then maybe I'll have more questions about that one and maybe any other projects you have in the future. For sure, man. Yeah, I'd love to. I'd love to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Yeah, even if we just talk about horror movies, I'm I'm down, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm always I'm always down to talk with a fellow horror lover. There's few of us left. I feel like uh, I feel like artistic horror is kind of taking over, like the gritty like horror scene. Um, you know, people are trying to make like horror oscars movies now if that makes sense it's not really like about like the the grossness and uh realness of of horror films yeah that's that's just my take (laughs) yeah or like i'm starting to see a lot more of like uh the cosmos atmosphere you know like uh color out of space yeah yeah like that kind of stuff i think is is going to be played out um you know we're going to see a lot more films like that I would love to see practical effects come back. Yeah, they're just so expensive, and, and usually they don't work. Like even on even on our film bits, like we with practical effects, like we hired this amazing guy, and you know, to no no fault of his own, but like so many things can go wrong with practical effects. Like in our case, we had um, we had rented this log cabin for a scene in the film, and. We told him what had to happen and all this stuff. 
Um, and basically, we, we basically were ripping someone's face off at the jaw. So this demon grabs the per- top of the person's jaw, the bottom of the person's jaw, and they rip. And then we're going to have this essentially like a blood explosion. So we told him, you know, we would have some, some cleanup. However, you know, we are renting the cabin and it's not our stuff. And we would have to be able to clean up everything. So he said would he made what he would call his uh, soap-based solution. So it was like mostly squeeze soap that you'd put on dishes and stuff. Mm. And then, uh, you know, some of the coloring and stuff to make it look like blood. However, we did like a, a sample, like a test sample, uh, a little tiny spot on the wall behind like the toilet to see like what would happen if we put it on the wall and it just stayed there. We could not get it off. So then all of a sudden we were put in a situation where we can't, we have to like scrap that effect and fix it with uh, post-production. Uh, and then like time constraints is also a thing too, because special effects take like hours and hours to set up. So if you have like a special effects heavy day, um, it then becomes like a sense, like, are we going to finish our day or are we going to do this one special effect that maybe takes like two seconds um, so, you know, and to know, I'm not, I'm not like shitting on this guy in any way, but like, I would say like out of the 20 or 30 special effects that he, uh, was brought on the set to do probably eight or nine worked the way they were supposed to at the end of the day. So this is like a huge variable that like kind of, kind of sucks for sets because, you know, they'll tell you a time. And no matter what they tell you for, for the time, it's always going to be over that because they want to make it look perfect, you know, because this is for their for their reputation and stuff. So they're not going to give you some, you know, half-ass thing and be like, this, it's done now just because the time has to keep going forward. They don't want to look bad in the credits and stuff. Right. They, they just want everything to look perfect when it comes time for the particular screen time. Yeah. For that piece. I totally get it. And, uh yeah, like I, I had uh, talked to Wyatt Weed, uh, who uh, played the Boar Predator in Predator 2, mm-hmm. and he's done a lot of uh, special effects, like uh, creature effects. Like he did uh, some creature effects in uh, The Lurking, or uh, Lurking, is it Lurking Fear? Oh, wow. And, uh, and uh, you know, and he was telling me stories of uh, working with special effects guys and or practical effects guys and and uh doing miniatures of sets and it's just like it's it's uh mind-boggling to uh to think of like what all they have to go through to to uh and then they'll even build stuff and then sometimes it won't even make it in the movie right like he was telling yeah. me about things with uh, the necronomicon movie and i was just like oh man that, that would have yeah. to suck, you know, I mean, in a way, kind of suck to, to see all your hard work not even be in the movie. Right. Like, uh, you know, and, and a lot of times, too, they have like these elaborate plans and usually you get like, um, you know, you usually get like a dialed down version of that at the end because of for whatever reason, whether time, whether, oh, I forgot this effect or um, this isn't working correctly. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's just me too. I've had a lot of bad luck with uh, special effects people pretty much on most movies that require special effects that I've done. Um, everything from we had the special effects person from the Sunday Night Slaughter. 
uh, this guy Dan Russo. He pretty much like stole our money and skipped town after he did one day shoot. And then uh, we didn't hear back from him at all for like, like close to a year or more. Um, he like took 500 bucks and just skipped town. It was like, cause we were doing it on an episodic basis. Mm-hmm. And he did the first episode and where there were some like, you know, uh, there were some problems because of, again, because of time and stuff like that. Nothing we could hold against him. He did do a pretty good job. So we hired him for the second episode and then uh, gave him the money up front because he had done the first one. And, you know, we had had a rapport and stuff. Uh, I had been to his house and all this stuff. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know, it's getting time to shoot and we don't hear from him. And he, we even go, went to his place and all of a sudden, like all his stuff has been moved out of his apartment he was renting. Like nothing was there. Oh, man, so he just sweet. skipped town with our check. And then uh, I don't know if he got he was like an addict. I don't even know. But like years later, we got I got an email and uh, he's like, oh, I just sent a PayPal uh, of two hundred and fifty dollars to you or whatever. And it's not even like half. Of, it's like, it's only half of what he owed. But he acted like it was like all he owed or whatever. And uh, yeah, never, never heard from him again. I didn't respond to the email. She asked um, for more or whatever, or just like fuck this guy. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty shitty. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at least he gave you some of it back. He could have just been a complete dick and not given you anything back. Yeah. I mean, we there's been tons of stuff, man. Like, even after we fired him, we had an issue happen where uh we had a huge shoot with like an alien and stuff. This is all for Sunday Slaughter as well. We like Got a new girl who looked who was like great, and then uh, the morning of, you know, like freak accident, she like stepped on glass and had to go to the emergency room because she had a giant gash on the bottom of her foot. And you know, yeah. an eleven <laughs> an eleven a.m. call time turned into her be not being able to get to set until like five or six p.m. because she lived in a um, lower income uh, area, so the hospitals in lower income areas in California just get like flooded with uh with people so she was literally at the hospital for like seven hours um and then just shows up and you know all the stuff that was supposed to be shoot shot during the day we're having a shoot at night and kind of like a uh a brief version of like what we had planned so oh yeah, man it is what it is <laughs> yeah yeah unfortunately that that is how yeah, that's life <laughs> yeah yep well hey hey man is there anything that you'd like to uh to plug in or promote before we take uh, on yeah before i mean before we go um so my film our friend john will be on uh amazon prime at mid-month this month so i would say by march 15th uh you can check it out there uh and then if you type my name just edward payson into a amazon search you can see every project that I have up there that you can watch uh, from my movies to small little short films that have gone inside of uh, compilations and and that kind of thing. So um, I appreciate all the support and uh, thanks for having me on, man. Oh, for sure. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you decided to want to come on here and and talk about your movies and, and uh, you know, open my eyes to uh, some more indie horror movies that I haven't stumbled across yet. And, 
yeah man i'd love to have you back on and and uh we'll talk some more horror thanks so much dude all right man thanks thanks so that was my conversation with edward payson or should i say ted payson uh (laughs) thanks so much dude for uh coming on the show and and talking the horror genre with me really appreciate it as i'm wrapping up this episode just wanted to mention uh one of our sponsors wake brewing um we'll be collaborating with the legendary metal band napalm death they'll be collaborating and making a beer for them for the disciple magazine's metal and beer fest friday april 3rd 2020 it'll be in philadelphia pennsylvania so if you're in the pennsylvania area and or if you're just going to go to the metal beer fest snag yourself a wake brewing beer slash napalm death beer so uh that's pretty exciting um also if you're in the rock island illinois area check out wake brewing they got some great beer there and uh and it's just it's just an awesome atmosphere to go to so check them out they're on facebook and instagram and all that fun stuff and uh go drink some beer also sort of want to mention i had uh been saying that i'm doing my bloody valentine 3d it's still happening i'm actually halfway through recording it but the opportunity came up to talk to edward and uh couldn't pass up the opportunity so i had to push that back and i think i'm just gonna stop saying what days that i'm actually gonna release episodes because sometimes they're never on time so eventually i'll i'll put them up so just bear with me <laughs> but uh um i did get a, a some feedback from people um with suggestions for topics uh a guy had messaged me about maybe doing a an overview of the subspecies series and I'm not opposed to that, so I'm sure sometime in the future I'll put up an episode of uh, subspecies, or uh, maybe not just the first one, but maybe just kind of an overview of the whole series, because being by myself, it's kind of hard just talking about one specific movie. I mean, I can do it, but I I think uh, doing an overview of a series would be pretty cool. And then uh, someone else mentioned... uh, with the release of the new Candyman trailer, maybe doing uh, maybe another like uh, overview of the original Candyman series, which I thought that would be pretty fun. And uh, the original is just perfect to me, so that's why uh, I'm not going to get my hopes up with this new one. Uh, I'm sure it, it's probably going to be good. Uh, I, I wasn't. Uh, I, I don't know. I, the uh, the whole Beyonce song kind of threw me off. Like I think if they would have kept that out of the trailer, just not even have it have it in there at all, and just have something else like some suspense strings playing or something. I mean, it, that that part kind of threw me off. Uh, I mean, I'm sure I'm gonna check it out, but I don't know if I'll be going to the theaters to check it out. I might wait till it gets on video. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But uh, 
that about wraps up everything, guys. Uh, email me at rudehorror at gmail.com or find me on Facebook, Instagram at Root Horror Podcast. And uh, let me know what you think about the new Candyman trailer and if you've seen any of Edward Payson's movies. What do you think about them? You know, are you excited about his newer projects, bits in the Sunday Night Slaughter? Let me know. 2020 has been popping off for the Root Horror Podcast, and within the next few months, Root Horror Podcast should be pretty exciting. We got uh, a list full of guests mm-hmm. that want to appear on the show. No dates are set in stone, but uh, just stay tuned, keep listening, and another episode should be coming out soon. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Root Horror Podcast. If you like this content and would like to hear future episodes, please follow or subscribe if you dare. <laughs>